was forwarded to his lordship, which met with the same reception, and afterwards a third, which produced from Lord St. Vincent the reply that my application could not be entertained, for that it was unusual to promote two officers for such a service, besides which the small number of men killed on board the Speedy did not warrant the application. It was impossible not to feel nettled at a reply so unexpected, that because few men had been killed on board the Speedy, her first lieutenant was considered unworthy of promotion, though terribly cut up. To argue with a first lord is no doubt an imprudent thing for a naval officer to attempt, and my remonstrance, in this instance, had the effect as to get my name placed on the black list of the Admiralty, never again to be erased. In my letter to Lord St. Vincent, the following incautious observations were made, viz. that, quote, his reasons for not promoting Lieutenant Parker, because there were only three men killed on board the Speedy, were in opposition to his lordship's own promotion to an earldom, as well as that of his flag-captain to knighthood, and his other officers to increased rank and honours, for that, in the battle from which his lordship derived his title, there was only one man killed on board his own flagship, so there were more casualties in my sloop than in his line of battleship. From the receipt of that letter, Lord St. Vincent became my bitter enemy, and not he only, but his successors thought it incumbent on them to perpetuate his lordship's displeasure. My reply was no doubt keenly felt at the time, when it was a common remark in the navy that the Battle of St. Vincent was gained by the inshore squadron, under Nelson, the commander-in-chief being merely a spectator, at a distance which involved only the loss of one man in his own ship. Notwithstanding this refusal of the First Lord to promote my lieutenant, my determination was to persevere with the board collectively, and accordingly I addressed an official letter to the Secretary of the Admiralty, Mr. Nepean, embodying Lord St. Vincent's reply, and concluding that, begin, quote, if their lordships judge by the small number killed, I have only to say it was fortunate the enemy did not point their guns better. End quote. Indeed, had I not taken care to place the Speedy in a position where the Spanish guns went over her, many would have swelled the list whom it was my happiness to have saved. This letter was dated May 12, 1802, and, receiving no reply, the annexed official letter was addressed to their lordships on the same subject. Letter begins. 14 Old Cavendish Street, May 17, 1802. My lords, the anxiety I feel for the promotion of a meritorious officer, Lieutenant Parker, late of the Speedy, whose name I have not seen in the recent list of commanders, even though a very extensive promotion has taken place, induces me to address your lordships. Lieutenant Parker served as sole lieutenant of the Speedy at the capture of the Gamo, of 32 guns and 319 men, carried by boarding, after an action of upwards of an hour, during the greater part of which time the yards and rigging of the vessels were locked together. In boarding and carrying the Spanish vessel he was severely wounded by a sword, run through his thigh, and a musket-ball lodged in his chest. I have always understood it to be the invariable rule, with the Board of Admiralty, to promote officers of unimpeachable character, who have distinguished themselves in action, or who have been first lieutenants of His Majesty's ships of war, at the capture of vessels of superior force especially of a force so very superior as that of the Gamo to the Speedy, the latter, as your lordships know, mounting fourteen four-pounders, having on board only fifty-four men, whilst the force of the Gamo was thirty-two guns, with a complement of six times greater than that of the Speedy. When these circumstances are brought to your lordship's recollection, I am fully convinced that you will see proper to reward Lieutenant Parker by appointing him to the rank of commander in His Majesty's service, which will tend to cherish and promote that spirit of exertion 
among the lieutenants subordinate officers and crew without whose zealous cooperation the endeavours of the captain alone would prove of small avail i have the honour to be etc etc signed cochrane to the right honourable the lords commissioners of the admiralty letter ends on the twenty sixth of may the following reply was received from the secretary letter begins admiralty office twenty sixth of may eighteen o two my lord i have received and read to my lords commissioners of the admiralty your lordship's letter to me of the seventeenth instant and the representation which accompanied it and am commanded by their lordships to acquaint you that your application to me is perfectly regular but that it is not so for officers to correspond with the board i am etc etc enopean captain lord cochrane letter ends determined not to be foiled in what i conceive to be the right of lieutenant parker i replied to the secretary as follows letter begins old cavendish street may twenty seventh eighteen o two sir i have been favoured with your letter acknowledging that you had received and read to the lords commissioners of the admiralty my letter of the seventeenth instant and that you are commanded by their lordships to acquaint me that my application to you was perfectly regular but that it is not so for officers to correspond with the board i have therefore to request that you will inform the lords commissioners of the admiralty that although i have received your letter still i wait in expectation to be favoured with an answer to the representation which through you i had the honour to transmit to their lordships i am etc etc cochrane enopean esq secretary to the admiralty letter ends the reply to this necessarily cut short all further correspondence letter begins admiralty office twenty ninth of may eighteen o two my lord i have received and read to my lord's commissioners of the admiralty your letter of the twenty seventh instant and have nothing in command from their lordships to communicate to you i am etc etc evan nepean captain lord cochrane letter ends in spite of this rebuff i nevertheless continued to persevere but it was not until some years afterwards that the promotion of lieutenant parker was obtained with the result to that able and gallant officer which proved his ruin and eventually caused his death the circumstances under which this took place were positively diabolical despairing of promotion lieutenant parker had retired to a little farm near kinsale by the cultivation of which in addition to his half-pay he was realising an existence for his family from my determined perseverance on his behalf he was at length made commander and ordered to join the rainbow sloop represented to be stationed in the west indies selling off everything even his household furniture he proceeded to barbados and reported himself to sir alexander cochrane but as the vessel could not be found sir alexander furnished him with a passage to look for her in the bermudas where he supposed she might be fitting for sea not finding her there lieutenant parker returned to the barbados where it became evident that no such vessel was on the north america station on ascertaining this poor parker returned to england a ruined man lord melville who had succeeded as first lord expressed his surprise and regret that such a circumstance should have occurred and promised the unhappy man that he should not only be amply compensated for the loss and expense attending his outfit and fruitless voyage to the west indies but that he should have another command on the first opportunity this generous intention was however counteracted for he never received either the one or the other lieutenant parker's loss consequent to the sale of his property the expense attending on settling his family together with his outfit and voyage amounted to upwards of a thousand pounds 
his prospects ruined his domestic arrangements destroyed and his pride wounded his spirit and constitution gradually gave way and at length overwhelmed with sorrow he sank into a premature grave leaving a wife and four daughters to deplore the loss of their only protector i could never find out who had thus imposed on one of the most gallant officers in the navy this infamous deception concocted doubtless out of pure malevolence to myself be he whom he may i am very sorry that it is not in my power to hold up his name to the execration of posterity it is even at the present day the duty of the admiralty to remedy the injury inflicted on his destitute family for he had left four daughters unprovided for who had no opportunity to escape from indigence end of chapter seven recording by timothy ferguson gold coast australia